But tonight it's more about being caught than taught. I'm looking for an impartation of an anointing into your life. Now, you remember when the man was at the gate called Beautiful, Peter and John said, such as I have, I give unto you. Tonight, I want to release something of what God has given to me for you. And I believe for a dynamic impartation into your heart, soul, mind, and your very being. We do live from the inside out, not from our circumstances, not from the things that take place around us, but certainly we live, I believe, from our spirit because we are born of God. We walk by the spirit. We walk by faith, not by sight. So the external doesn't determine our spiritual climatic condition. It doesn't determine our passion. Our circumstances can attempt to rob our faith or rob our joy, bring discouragement. But if you're living from the internal, from the relationship that you have with God, then what happens around you is not going to dominate you. Hopefully, you can dominate the external because you're living out of the creative force of faith. Everything around you is subject to change. The Word of God will never change. His plan for you and me and for His church will never change. When Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, even when the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy and to rob you of your abundant life, even as we're saying, you can take back what the enemy stole from me. You can make a demand that what has been stolen will come back sevenfold. We can lie down and give up, or we can get up and fight back. Tonight I want to speak about the anointing. That is the theme that has been chosen for these few days. And I want to share on <laughs> the anointing of joy. <laughs> the anointing of joy. I'm going to share with you the difference between the attitude of joy and the anointing of joy. The supernatural joy. The joy of the Lord. The joy that comes from God that is available to us. I'm going to share the Word. I'm going to share some stories. But I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hoping, believing, trusting that just as when Peter stood in the house of Cornelius, that while he yet spake, said the King James Version, the Spirit fell. I'm trusting for a download even while I'm speaking, not so much as I lay hands on you, but I'm looking for the atmosphere to be charged with the Word that has been taught, preached, proclaimed, prophesied over your life tonight, that you'll become the recipient of that anointing, the anointing of joy. Now you'll remember from Sunday morning, if you weren't absent, if you were, you're forgiven, 
<laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but you remember <laughs> that Psalm 133, and I'm going to get you to quote it tonight. <laughs> said that the oil is poured on the head of Aaron, the high priest, runs down his beard to the edge of his garment. In other words, the oil that got on the head got to the edge of the garment or to the body. I believe that that is a type pointing not just to Aaron, but to the fulfillment of Aaron, our high priest, Jesus Christ. He was anointed. He said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to a cause to preach, to heal, etc. But he also was the recipient of the anointing of joy. I'm going to show that to you in the Word. Therefore, what got on the head is available to the body. Tonight, I'm not suggesting that there is something that we've got to go out after that's out there. It's in Him that we live and move and have our being. And it's from Him and it's to His people. There is an availability of a supernatural impartation of joy. Hallelujah. I was reading in Psalm 23 and verse 5. I love Psalm 23. All of it is so rich in revelation concerning the leading, the working of God in our lives, both to the green pastures, the still waters, but also even through the valley of the shadow of death. And in verse 5, he goes on and he says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I love that. That even when we've gone through these tough, challenging circumstances and times, there is a celebration that God prepares in spite of the adversity, the things that are going around. Even in the very presence of our enemy, there is a table. I also see at that table that the dogs can eat the crumbs but the children eat the bread. That it is not only a table of celebration, it's a table of opulence, it's a table of healing. For we partake of the abundant of redemption's provision. Hallelujah. And at that table, in the presence of our enemies, you, God, anoint my head with oil. I'm also reminded that the anointing will destroy the yoke of the enemy. So this is not only a table of celebration, a table of healing, a table of restoration. It is a table of victory and humiliation for our enemies. Hallelujah. It's a table of Superabundance because my cup runs over. 
He doesn't fill to the brim, but he allows it to spill over onto the table and even dripping onto the floor. There is more than enough for us at the table. Hallelujah. His supply is without measure. It's not like he is going to be humiliated because we're going to out-eat and out-drink him, bearing in mind that I have an article about eating correctly. <laughs> but this is a spiritual partake, partaking of his abundant supply. You will never... Eat enough, drink enough of Him and of His provision. It will never run out. It will never run dry. Another scripture in preparation for tonight is Psalm 92 and verse 10. But my horn, my authority, you have exalted like a wild ox. I like that because there's something about the authority of God, the boldness of God, the imagery of a wild ox, not out of control, but radical, powerful, unstoppable. Hallelujah. We are. The church will never be defeated. The ox is a great beast of burden and able to toil for many hours. And the church will be radically mobilized for the harvest, for the work that needs to be done. And we are unstoppable in that cause. But we're not operating out of our energy, our creativity, but we're operating out of the anointing of God. I have been anointed with fresh oil. There is an anointing that gives us the energy, the drive, the focus, the ability, the creativity to get the job done. I also, in the imagery of the wild ox, I remember what I read to you from Deuteronomy, that you shall serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness. Uh, this is not some burden that He's putting on us that is robbing us of joy. In fact, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. You have anointed me with fresh oil. I want us to pray before we get into the topic of the oil of gladness. And I want to believe God right now for you to come under His direct touch. Lord, tonight our theme and our focus is on fresh oil, a fresh anointing. Even though we have an abiding anointing, there is a refreshing and there is a renewal and there is a restoration that comes from you. Thank you that every day we can seek you and be filled with the Spirit. That your anointing is always available to us. The ability and the authority 
to work the works of God, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. And I do pray, O oh God, that in our working and in our warring and in our walking, that we will do so in the fresh anointing of heaven. Tonight, O oh God, I pray that every life would come under the touch of your presence, of your power, of your glory, and of your joy. I pray, O oh God, that your outstretched hand of generosity would flood our lives with a joy that cannot be contained. I pray, O oh God, that in this house tonight, like we sung, our mouths would be filled with laughter. For the Lord has done great things, and we are glad. And so I ask, O oh God, for a deposit of this anointing upon every life in Jesus' name. Amen. Long time ago, I had an experience in glory where I was touched by God and I began to laugh deeply from the innermost being. Eventually it wore off and I thought, that's cool. And I moved on with my very focused, serious, but humorous life. I wasn't a miserable man. I, I'm a very happy man and I do walk in a measure of an attitude of joy. And like I shared with the leaders, I have a good sense of humor. My family has humor. We tease each other. We play we catch each other out, uh, even texting, we, we will have lots of LOLs or rolling on the floor laughing imagery because we are a happy family. We enjoy our humor, our South African humor, sometimes a little edgy, but it's good. It's clean. A couple of years after that encounter, Rodney Howard Brown came to America and was preaching in upstate New York, not asking for this, not looking for it, but people started to be hit spontaneously in his meetings with joy and holy laughter. I don't think he quite understood all the implications of that, but went with the flow. Because he didn't want to quench what God was doing. He sensed in it a working that was beyond him that was God. With the joy, the holy laughter as it was called, came other manifestations of the Spirit, other mighty things, healings, deliverances. Uh, perhaps even at times a little bit of, let's call it, weirdness creeping in. Just because there's sometimes a little bit of weirdness that creeps into something doesn't mean that it's bad. It's just sometimes people don't know the limits. And to find the limits, you have to go to the very edge. And perhaps some people go over the edge a bit too far and it appears to be weird. You understand? 
So I'm not a critic of the weirdness. Sometimes I'm grateful for the people that will go that far out because it tells us where it's safe and where it's not. If it wasn't for those discoverers, we would not know the parameters of what is safe, but someone's gone to the edge. So I'm not a critic of the weirdness, although I don't like the weirdness. It's very uncomfortable for a leader, especially when you're in the meeting and you've got to keep a sense of order, but you don't want to control, you don't want to quench the spirit. It's very hard. So um, I, to be honest, when I watched his videos, especially as he gathered uh, momentum and traction and his meetings began to grow, which showed that people were looking for something. And they started flooding his meetings, word spread. And that was before technology. It was by word of mouth. It wasn't because of we were still in the old days. Cell phones hadn't come out yet. There wasn't emails, there wasn't texting, there wasn't Facebook, there wasn't Instagram, there wasn't TikTok, or is that, yeah, TikTok. There wasn't those things. There was just good old-fashioned phone someone, write a letter, write an article. And, of course, whenever God's doing something, there's always the critics. And the critics were very vocal. And being South African, we... we sometimes say things that are a little edgy to provoke and Rodney is certainly a master of provoking either into the flow or irritating that pharisaical spirit he just has that knack of really irritating pharisaical spirits when that happened I was away, and we invited Rodney into our church. I was away, and to be honest, I was quite glad because I didn't really understand all that was happening. To be brutally honest, I didn't like it. So I was relieved when I wasn't there. But when I came back, the people were on fire. They were pressing into the glory of God. People that I had been counseling and dealing with had issues that couldn't be out-counseled, delivered in a split second, their lives realigned. And so I'd be a fool to say that it was the work of the enemy. However, it kind of freaked me out. One day, one of my leaders walked up to me and said, and I think... He was hoping to get a negative response from me because he also didn't like it. And he came to me saying, what do I think of this that is happening? And I was about to say, I don't like it. That's what I premeditated. I remember vividly standing there thinking, I don't like this. I'm just going to say it. But instead, out of my being came these words. What I think is of no importance. What does God think about it? And I realized that I was both the prophet and the mule, the ass. 
And I stood there confronted by the Spirit of God. For I recognized that I'd crossed the line. Criticizing what I didn't know. Criticizing the anointing. I was saved from my words coming out by the words that came out by the Spirit. But it was in my heart. And I know out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I was a critic and I'd entered into that pharisaical realm of being theologically correct, criticizing what I hadn't examined. I fell to the ground in the foyer of my church. And you know me by now. I'm not a man given to emotion. If anything, I'm a little bit on the conservative side. I fell to the ground. I said, God, the problem isn't Rodney. The problem isn't the, the joy, the holy laughter. The problem is Leon Van Royen. I've become a critic. I've become a Pharisee. I'm always looking for you to do a fresh work, to pour out your spirit. Then when you're doing it, I'm criticizing it. I staggered up. I was about to preach that night, or that morning at least. I called one of the associate pastors. I said, I want you to preach this morning. I'm going into my office. He said, I'm not prepared. I said, brother, you're a Pentecostal. You've got to be prepared to preach, pray, prophesy, and die at any moment. I said, you get up on that pulpit and find something to preach. I'm going into my office, and I slammed the door, and I fell on my face. And I stayed there for 80 days, seeking God. Not, I went home, showered, changed. I ate Daniel's fast. Very, very conservative in my eating. No sweets, no cookies, candies, cakes, meat, just soup, vegetables, salads. I was like a hippopotamus. I ate green stuff. I was like a rhinoceros. I ate green stuff. An elephant. I ate green stuff. Thank God it wouldn't become a permanent feature in my life, for I'd hate to be a vegan. After 80 days of seeking the Word, seeking the face of God, only coming out when I had to, praying, studying, researching every known revival, every book, and I had a library of books of all the great moves of God, and I had read every one of them. But it's weird when you read something and it doesn't jump out at you until you read it looking for it and it's there staring you in the face. I saw so many revivals had outbreaks of holy laughter, of joy, even in what today are conservative Christian movements were once alive, Pentecostal, charismatic jerking, falling, running, shouting, laughing believers. I saw it in the Word, which is my first thing. Unless I, I was like the Bereans. Unless you see it in the Word, 
I can't base my doctrine on history, on experiences. I can only base it on the Word. But then I can look at these experiences parallel to the Word and say, yep, I see confirmation. So I studied the Word. I studied history. And two things happened to me. The first is I became desperate like I've never been desperate before. The Bible says, blessed are they that hunger and thirst. I epitomized hunger. Not because I was fasting, but I wanted an encounter in God. I would go into meetings and people would be laughing and falling and shouting and I would feel nothing. I would try and laugh by faith. Ha, ha, ha. And I wasn't unhappy. I was smiling. I was laughing. But I didn't have that outburst from the depth of my being, which I wanted which I thought was essential for my life because God was doing it. And there's something about me that I never want to read about what God did. I want to be there when He's doing it. I don't want to read about it in someone else's history book. I want it for me right here, right now. And 80 days is way too much time. And the other weird thing about it is People would come up to me and ask me to lay hands upon them, and they would go out getting joy. And I would stand over them thinking, praise the Lord. Um, what about me? Now, maybe you can't identify with that, but for me it's a little frustrating because I understand the doctrine you can't give away what you don't have. I wanted to give it away because I had it. I was hungry for it. I believed in it, but I didn't have it. I was no longer a critic of it. I was desperate, not just for the joy or the holy laughter. I wanted to be on the cutting edge of God's movement that was helping people, realigning their lives, rebuilding the church, strengthening the church. I was born again in revival. I've been through revivals. I've walked in the glory. I've walked in the power. I've had the joy, but didn't know I could stay in it. I just thought, praise God, a great experience. With that, let me interject with a story, but don't lose where I'm at. I was in Puerto Rico. And I got to Puerto Rico because of a miracle in my meetings. Years later, I was in St. Petersburg, Tampa, and um, a great move of God. <laughs> Critics, because not only were we getting hit by God, but the kids, little kids like this, were speaking in tongues, were laid out, and were totally God-intoxicated. Parents were carrying their kids and putting them in the car. But the church was kind of in a built-up area with lots of apartments. And the noise in the meetings, because our meetings were loud, people would stand on the balcony and look. And when they saw us coming out of church, carrying the kids and throwing them in the car, they thought we were just having alcohol. They called the police on us. <laughs> 
which again just stirred us up in holy laughter even more. Um, they actually set police blocks to check us for alcohol. <laughs> and of course, none of us were drinking. We were just drinking the new wine of the Spirit. But they thought we were intoxicated. No, we were just God-intoxicated, God-touched, be that as it may. So in that meeting, a lady began to jerk hard, which was fun for the first hour, two, three, four. Then it became a day, then became two days, became three days. By this time, they were freaking out. For seven days, she jerked. They eventually took her to the ER room where she was a nurse, a senior nurse in that hospital, and the doctors knew her, and they did an MRI on her, x-rays and all kinds of tests, and her surgeon came back to her and said, a miracle has taken place. He said, showed her the x-ray. She had been in a car wreck, and she had metal rods in her back. And in the jerking, those rods had totally disintegrated and left her body. And she was as healed as you could ever be healed in her back. So she was so overwhelmed and excited that she called her pastors in Puerto Rico where she had come from to, um, to the United States. And she said, you've got to have this evangelist. Well, they spoke Spanish. I spoke English. They said, you come all over here. I said, I know speak o Spanish o. I just always put an O at the end of everything that I didn't understand. You come, evangelist, healing. I said, I flow in healing, but I'm not focusing on healing and miracles. I'm focusing on revival. You come. So I flew over to Puerto Rico with a team of about 10, 12 people from Tampa, Illinois, pastors that went with me. We landed. It was ridiculous. My luggage was lost because I'm an old surfer. I traveled in board shorts, flip-flops, t-shirt, cap, and my luggage was gone. My wife's luggage was gone. All my team had all their clothes, but not us. And I'm the preacher. And of course, Pentecostals in, in Puerto Rico dress well for church on a Sunday. They are not board short. Where we are today, they were not then in 1994. You understand, it was suit and tie. Even I wore suit and tie to every meeting. So um, they lent me clothes, which was ridiculous. My pants sat up here. They were tight, the suit. Puerto Ricans that gave me the clothes were small. My wife wore a ridiculous orange dress and her skin doesn't work for orange, bright orange. She was like miserable. She needed joy of the joy of the Lord because she felt so uncomfortable. I needed the joy of the Lord because I could barely move in this suit, but I wanted to fit in. Anyway, I get up on the stage to preach. They introduced me, you know, evangelist Leon Van Rugen. 
I haven't even taken the mic. My interpreter begins to shake and scream. Foigo, 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 and he goes out. So another translator runs up. Bam, they go out. Another one runs up. They go out. Another one runs up. They go out. I've run out of English show speakers. A lady comes forward. She looks like she's been in the headlights like a deer. Her eyes are this big. Fear is all over her. And she approaches the stage like I'm working some magic trick, you know. By this time, I still haven't said a word. The glory hits the church. They haven't been to Toronto. They haven't been to Brownsville. They don't know Rodney Howard Brown. All they know is that there's this healing evangelist coming, and the joy hits the entire church. They're going out under the power of God. They're running, shouting, screaming, crying. Bodies over the chairs, under the chairs. You just had to be there. Now, this first interpreter is a key man because he was friends with Gigi Avale, who is kind of or was the, like the Pentecostal Pope. I think he was Mr. Universe in his weight division. He's a, he was across the whole of the Latin-speaking nations in what was called Miracle Network out of his studio in his church. And so he calls Gigi. Gigi says, please bring Leon over to meet me. I go over there and we connect. The power of God hits both of us. He shares with me when he was saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was filled with joy that he laughed and laughed and laughed and he's never had it again. And he said, I've heard what's happening in your meetings. Please come here and do a live broadcast across our whole network. I went to the network, and after an hour of sharing the word, nothing had happened, and I really was starting to sweat because I hadn't been used to just teaching. By this time, I was used to people just coming under the power of God's presence and breaking free in laughter. So I prayed with that. The phone started to light up. People were being hit with joy in Argentina, Bolivia, Peru, Chile, uh, Mexico, Canada. The entire Spanish world was phoning. He said, please go another hour. I'd, I'd already been on an hour. Go another hour. And the, the lights were on. People were getting saved, filled, delivered, falling out in their offices, falling out in their homes under the power of God. Why do I say that? Because I had also had the joy, but I didn't know, like Gigi, I didn't know that you could stay in the joy. I didn't realize that you could stay in that position of living in constant joy. Holy laughter being a way of life versus just an occasional encounter with God. Gigi had the same experience. So back to my searching for, for God. God's using me, but I don't have it. I don't know how to activate it. I try. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. 
I used to hate that song. My church used to do it just to annoy me. The joy of the Lord. Ha, 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 ha. And I used to cringe. And I'm even trying the song that I used to cringe. Ha, 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 not seeking, not praying. I'm still thirsty, desperate, but I've gone in to do business and the glory of God hits me right in the middle of the meeting. There's nothing funny. It's a very serious, it's a disciplinary meeting taking place. <laughs> Bam! Right between the shoulder blades. I hit the ground laughing. I'm not just talking about laughing. I'm talking about where your jaw aches, your belly aches. And I'm not a person that wants to draw attention to myself. I'm very humble and very smart and nice and extremely intelligent. I'm just kidding. But I am very self-conscious, introverted and quiet. I don't like public spectacle. You understand? So it's very foreign to me to be in a business meeting as the pastor, lying on the ground, laughing. You understand, this is very uncomfortable. Even though I've been seeking it, now that it's come, I don't like it. <laughs> Some preachers you cannot satisfy no matter what you do. So I remember vividly this, this encounter with God. The first thing I said, God, your word says, let everything be done decently and in order. And I hear the voice of God come to me saying, Leon, your order and my order are two different things. I said, God, you said the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. Because that's, I was raised on that kind of culture as a Pentecostal preacher. You're in control. I said, God, the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. He said, Leon, you're not prophesying. I said, God, you're a perfect gentleman. I pulled a scripture that's not a scripture, Pentecostal scripture. God's a perfect gentleman. He said, I'm not a gentleman. I'm God. I said, God, one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. I am not in control. He said, control is not to shut me out your life, it's to shut sin out your life. Not to quench what I'm doing, but to receive it. I said, okay, God, lay it on me. Don't stop. Eventually, I was screaming for mercy. I was saying, God, I don't think I can take, I don't know how long I was down laughing, but I know that I was aching where I hadn't ached for a long, long, long time. With that, everyone in the meeting got it. The disciplinary thing dissipated in the glory of God. And we got on with the business. But that's how I came into the joy of the Lord. So it's not like I'm this wide open vessel, hungry, seeking. I'm a critic who's arrested by God. And then, like the Bereans, sought the word. I know the doctrine of joy. Because I've studied it. The Hebrew, the Greek, 
the expressions, how God did it. I understand that. And I discovered that there's a difference between joy and the anointing of joy. Remember the oil on the head down the beard to the edge of the garment. Look at Psalm 45 and verse 7. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. That is also quoted in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, speaking of Jesus. Jesus had the anointing, but not just the anointing, the anointing of joy or of gladness. What's the anointing? It is the manifestation of the power, the glory of the Holy Spirit in your life. This isn't just a natural joy. This is a joy that is from God, from the very heart of God. Let me show you further. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's joy, and there's joy in the Holy Spirit. What's the difference? One is human joy, natural joy, and the other is God-given joy, anointed joy, supernatural joy, above our natural joy, the supernatural joy. I have discovered that if you are not in righteousness, you'll probably not be at peace. And if you're not at peace, it's very hard for a joy breakthrough in your life. The joy breakthrough comes because you are right with God, right with yourself, right with people. If there's broken relationship, it is foreign to the human spirit and we need to get right then that will lead to a peace that passes all understanding. And in that environment of righteousness and peace, there can come the invasion of God's joy. Of course, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Talking about love, joy. I was in uh, Buffalo, New York, and the church was on a street called Love Joy, and the church was called Love Joy, and I went there as a revivalist to take to them Love Joy. (laughs) We had a great outpouring of the Spirit. Hallelujah. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So their affliction didn't rob them of the joy of the Holy Spirit. They didn't just have joy, but they had the joy of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The kingdom of God is in joy in the Holy Ghost. This is, we're not just talking about joy, we're talking about 
anointed joy. Is anyone with me so far? One of my favorite scriptures concerning joy, because there's a lot of critics about holy laughter and joy. It's kind of like, even though they know there is a time to weep and there is a time to laugh, even though they know that weeping may endure for the evening, but joy comes in the morning. They forget about the joy side. Some people see weeping as spiritual and joy being carnal. Joy and laughter is not carnality. Drunkenness, fornication, adultery, homosexuality, that is carnality. Joy, laughter is not carnality. It's funny how that in the world, people have no problems with laughter, shouting, jumping, dancing. But the moment you bring it into the church, it becomes the flesh. Isn't it weird that you can go into a secular environment and dance and jump and shout, get intoxicated, laugh, and people will say, this is having a good time. When we come into church, it's got to be serious, stale, and at the most you can express the holiness of God with weeping. Now there is a time to weep. There's nothing wrong with weeping, but at the same time there's nothing wrong with laughing. I believe it was Demas Shakarian in the time of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International that wrote the book, The Happiest People on Earth. And the, the only problem I have with the happiest people, because America, you remember, your, um, your rights are the pursuit of happiness. Well, happiness is different from joy because happiness is based on what happens where joy is intrinsic, it's eternal, it's based on the reality of the presence and the power of God. There's a big difference. So even in the midst of mourning, you can have the joy of the Lord. And you know about that because a year ago you were having joy encounters even in the midst of your wife leaving planet earth that same week. And yet you had the joy of the Lord. I remember it vividly. I also remember going to some friends of mine. Their daughter passed because of a battle with cancer. And they had been in the joy of the Lord in my first meetings in Illinois. And they really operated and they were in deep mourning. And yet in the presence of the Lord, they broke out in holy laughter and joy because it wasn't based on their pain it was based on from the Lord which gave them strength and energy to endure what they were going through in these moments in the spirit with that in mind I think of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10 go your way eat the fat drink the sweet and send portions to those from whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
Look at me, I'm 95 years old. And I walk in the strength of a 70-year-old man. How do I sustain that energy? I'm kidding about my age. I can see it. No, you cannot be. Look at me, my energy levels. Why do I have so much energy to do and to run the way I do to the nations and work like I do? I'm telling you, here is the secret, is because I laugh. I stir myself in the joy of the Lord. I have strength, energy, creativity in God. One day I was out surfing. And uh, like a tornado came through the ocean. And uh, I got so far out to a reef. But I was cut off from my friends who were trying to get out because that tornado pushed them back but I managed to get through because I'm like superhuman and strong and energetic so I got out to the reef and a big set came through and I paddled and I took my wave but I lost my board in the process and it got carried with that wind far from me and I couldn't get it and my friends were like little specks way in the distance and I'm a fairly good surfer. Um, I'm at national level champion, and I'm a very good swimmer. I was a pro lifeguard. I was a champion swimmer. So I'm not a bad, and I'm fairly fit. But eventually, I couldn't stay afloat anymore. I was just done. I was exhausted. Currents, surf, surge, my board, I couldn't get to it. So I thought, I refuse to go into heaven screaming like a baby. So I lay on my back and I began to laugh thinking, I'm going to go into heaven laughing. <laughs> As I began to laugh, energy and strength filled my body supernaturally. I laughed and I laughed and suddenly my body was revived and I was able to swim and reach my board that I couldn't get to after 40 minutes of trying. I just couldn't, it kept getting blown away. And I reached it, and I was able to paddle back to the shore at least over a mile away. And, uh, and I attribute it to this scripture, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Strength entered my body in joy. But notice the joy of the Lord. Or we could say the joy that emanates from the Lord to the human spirit and soul is your strength. Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 43. Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced. What does rejoice mean? It means again to joy. Re is again, again to joy. So they again began to joy in the Lord. For God had made them rejoice. Whoa! For God had made them rejoice. For God had made them to rejoice. So there's times when we rejoice and there are times when God makes us, enables us to enter into again to joy. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. 
Their joy was so loud, so contagious, that the surrounding peoples would testify of the celebration, this overwhelming joy that was found in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Psalm 16 and verse 11. You will show me the paths of life in your capital Y-O-U-R. In your mean God. In your presence is what? 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 Fullness. What is fullness? Full over full. How does fullness of joy manifest? In a smile? Or could it possibly be in a breakout of laughter, getting up and dancing or shouting? Surely when you are full of something, what gets into you bursts out. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Ha! Yes! In your presence, in the presence of a thrice holy God, is joy that gets into you, that bursts out. Hallelujah! Yes! Don't stop. Be that lightning rod. Be that lightning rod. Allow me to finish with a few more verses while you're pressing in. I'm believing for joy. As he spoke, the Spirit fell. I have been believing for this. I'm only reading Scripture. Am I correct? There's nothing here that is made up. Everything is lining with the Word of God. Look at Psalm 51:12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Salvation brings joy, the joy of the Lord, joy inexpressible and full of glory. That's why the saved ought to have joy. Restore the joy. When we backslide, we lose the joy. When you're right, you have the joy, the joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. From the Lord, of the Lord. Psalm 105, verse 43. He brought out His people with joy, His chosen ones with gladness. When He brings you out of captivity, out of bondage, there is freedom, there is joy. He brought them out with joy. Isaiah 12, and verse 3. Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. There are wells of salvation. And as you draw your healing, your breakthrough, your miracle, there is joy. Hallelujah. Psalm, uh, Isaiah 35 and verse 10. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy. Where? On their heads. How does joy get on your head? It's an anointing of joy. An everlasting, an unlimited supply shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and signs shall flee away. My last scripture. 
Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart does good like medicine. A merry heart does good. In research, you'll find even secular medical practitioners are getting their patients to laugh because they've seen that this scripture is true. If you can get the sick to laugh, it accelerates the endorphins in their body. And brings about a restoration of health and energy. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Hallelujah. 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 The joy of the Lord is your strength. 